Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. We are the B&E Podcast and we are doing this again. Once again, and once not, again, <laughs> another not so serious Sunday. Yes, indeed. So if you listen to our last not so serious Sunday, it actually turned out to be super serious. So, <laughs> so don't think that this is just going to be laughs. Well, I mean, it's like, I, I, I think that while we get into serious topics or it seems serious, I don't know. It's all, to me, it all still feels like, like fun and joyful, even when we're getting into like this like these really sort of deep philosophical conversations about, about art and creation and (laughs) creative process. And yeah. And your, and your, and your state as an artist, as you go through this, because there's so many ups and downs that we go through and, um, inconsistencies and we don't, you know, it's a topic that we've actually kind of discussed on many podcasts, but it's not, our world isn't necessarily designed to, um, appreciate artists, on their way to success. But we're very appreciative of when people kind of get to a point where we can recognize them, but we aren't as a whole, as a society, it's just society isn't set up to kind of appreciate an artist on their path. You know, it's a lot of skepticism we deal with. We deal with our own doubts. We deal with our own fears. Um, and so I think a lot of this podcast too is, you know, it's, it's not for any artist in particular, you could be starting out, you could be in the middle, or you could have already kind of be at that successful point in your career. But it's about kind of figuring out, okay, the various issues we deal with as artists. And so sometimes, you know, I think we go into the emotional side, which we did on the last podcast. Yeah, you know, the emotional hardships of being an artist and what we're dealing with internally, as we try to, to navigate how to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially when we live so much in, in a culture that, you know, says the, the kind of shit like, Oh, okay. Well, how much money are you making doing that? And it's like, Oh, well, what else are you doing? Yeah. Like it's, it's like so many of our, you know, our, our family, our friends, even, you know, there's countless stories of artists who like had, who didn't have that kind of support. And, and sometimes it's not that people don't support you, but they don't realize that those kinds of statements are not, you know, like helping at all. Like my, I, I've been lucky that my immediate family and most of my family and friends have like, they've all just been like so supportive. No one's ever said anything like negative whatsoever about my, my pursuits and what I I've chosen to do. Um, I, my godfather, however, was a person who would like make comments like, Oh, well, you know, like just a lot of like fear projection onto what, what I, I decided to do with my life. And, and, you know, it's like, it didn't really bother me and it still doesn't really bother me, but it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things where you go like, Whoa, like there's people who just, they can't just, say, yeah, like go for it. Just like do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and arts just, I, I think it's just because people are just so freaked out because there's so many stories of artists who just 
don't go anywhere, I guess. Oh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. It's an interesting thing because like our judgment on whether an artist goes somewhere is so based on industry and it's so based on external, um, an external thing. And we don't have in, at least in our society, I, I think, you know, first world kind of North American society, we don't really have an appreciation for personal growth like we do for external growth. Like if I can see someone, and I'm just speaking for the average person, if, if we can see somebody who, can't, who has a really nice house, they live in a mansion, they drive a sports car, um, they seem like a big deal because they're recognized by a lot of people, and we go, well, that's successful. Meanwhile, they go home at night, they're alone, they're upset, they're like depressed, they're like, they have a whole world of trouble going on, they might have a drug addiction, all these things that we don't see. And yet we we go, they are success, that is happiness. Mm -hmm. And we have no way of gauging whether they're happy or not, but the projection of happiness sure looks like it. Meanwhile, you have someone else who is just um, you know, maybe they're even just starting out in their artistic endeavor. They've been maybe doing it for a few months or a few years or whatever, or maybe they're doing it for a while, but they've grown substantially as a person. They've discovered things about themselves. They didn't know they've, um, you know, they've been actually digging into things that, you know, they had otherwise just avoided or didn't even know were there. And they're meeting people that are like-minded and sharing this dream with them and stuff. And we look at that and we go, well, you know, they're kind of dabbling. But the thing is, is like, who's really the success? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, just because you, you get the money and you get the things that are surrounding you, build the castle or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean you're successful. And I think what we're really trying to do is we're trying to figure out how do we get both to kind of come together, but not sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not, um, and not be like, and not let our, our, education and the way that we've been taught to look at the world or filters to be the only way we see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also it's like with, with artistry too, it's like, it doesn't like just because an artist maybe, you know, lives in, you know, a beautiful like via in the, <laughs> in the Valley or, you know, on an oceanfront property and they've got, you know, millions of dollars and I, that doesn't necessarily make that person an artist you know, I think it's something completely different. And that doesn't necessarily also on the flip side, it doesn't mean that the person who is like squeaking by and struggling, you know, living in a closet, basically, that doesn't make that person an an artist either. You bring up a really good point. And and I, you know, I like that because I do feel that there's these weird stigma filters kind of we have with around artistry where it's like, oh, I'm an artist because I'm struggling. And I'm, you know, I'm falling on the sword of my craft and I'm wounded yeah. from my past. And that's bullshit. You know, that doesn't make <laughs> you an artist. That, that makes you a human being that's struggling with some real issues. You know, just like if you have all the money in the world and all the nice cars and everything you want around you and you're still not happy, that's another struggle. That's a human struggle. It has nothing to do with art in and of itself. Your struggle relates to your art, but the two do not like make the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that also to, and I want to say on the flip, to pursue the artistry to solve personal issues in your life, like to ther- to do therapy, isn't, again, that is, that's not what this is about. Like artistry is not here to solve your personal issues. You know, our, our personal issues inform it because it's, it's human and we can bring that to it. But, you know, I think sometimes too, like, um, 
you know, you're hurting in your life. And I know this has been true for me. I've been hurting in my life. And I thought, well, if I do this with my art, I can, I can heal this thing in my life. And it just, you poison the art when you do that, in my opinion. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I thought I did, you know, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, anything that happens with you, I mean, it can become a ground for which you like explore and express whatever's happening in your life. You like, it can absolutely be an, be an outlet of sorts. Um, but you don't necessarily have to make it that thing unless, unless you feel called to. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, about just the whole concept of artistry a lot lately. Yeah. Um, and like what this whole thing is about like artistry and, and how do you know you're doing it? How do you know, you know, you're creating it and, and what is it even like it's, it's this hard thing to pin down and we've started to touch on it a little bit. And I know that I've said a few things as I've been going into it, but like for me, it's, I'm starting to think of it really as more of it's, it's a state of being. It's a, it's something that you engage with. And, and I was thinking about this the other night and, and I, I was just thinking about like, you know, if I, because sometimes I have people ask, ask me about like, Oh, like I'm, I'm interested in like getting into acting. Like what should I do? And a lot of times my first thing was, Oh, like piece of advice was if there's anything else that you would enjoy doing, do that instead. (laughs) Right. And you know, I never necessarily really liked giving that, that kind of advice. It was just a little bit too pessimistic, right? (laughs) You know, that I just didn't enjoy it, but I didn't really know what else to say. Right. And, and it's what I was thinking with the other day, it's, it seemed kind of token, but it just, for whatever reason, it was just hitting me in a way. And I, and I just thought, you know, if somebody asks me that again, I'm just going to say like, you have to really love it. Like you have to, you just, you have to love the art like you have to love the art of it. Like, and you have to know what that is, Mm. right? Like you got to know what it is and you've got to love it. Right. Like, because if it's just, if it's just sort of fun, you know, it's a fun thing to do like that, you know, you might have some interesting experiences with it and it could end up leading to something that you pursue further, but it's, it's something that I don't know. You've, you've, you, it really demands something of you. Yeah. Like it really demands, um, letting go of parts of yourself. It really demands that you, you let your ego go. It really demands a lot of things because what, as I'm beginning to understand a little bit more about what I do as an actor and a person who teaches acting. And as that's been shifting for me and it's really exciting that it's shifting because I'm like, Whoa, like I'm, I'm getting entirely new perspectives on what it is that I do and, and what that all means and how, and how much all the technical stuff is not, is not what doing art is, Mm. you know, and, and how much it, it really is. It really is almost a, a surrender to something. How, how, if you have any sort of concept or any sort of awareness of being in an artistic space and in, in a truly creative space that it's, it's something that really is somewhat beyond yourself. 
Like it's, it's a, it, like we've talked about this before. It's like, you know, you get into this space that's just different from everyday life somehow. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, everything's heightened. Everything's more focused. Everything is so clear Yeah, and, and everything is so vibrant. Like it's just, it's this weird state of being (laughs) when it's happening. Mm. And at least that's my theory at this point. It's, you know, I, I think that's really good advice for someone taking their second step into art. And what I mean by that is I, I personally think that there's at least two steps in, in anything that we do. The, the first step is I'm curious and I'm interested in this and I'd like to do it or find out more or whatever, experience it. And then the second step is I'm really enjoying experiencing this. I'm having fun doing something. I, you know, whatever, could I take this somewhere and do something with it? And I think when you're dealing with someone who's on the second step, you really want to give them that advice. You really want to say, Hey, like if you want to take this further and you want to get really serious about it, and instead of just like playing around and kind of having some fun, if you really want to get serious and focused and kind of try to get some traction, Mm -hmm. then you really got to love doing the thing because it's not, I mean, it's, our, our world is not really set up to necessarily, um, facilitate your living in it and doing art. You know what I mean? Like it's, if it was, it would be like, you know, you could do your art, you know, X amount of days of the week or whatever, and you would get paid X amount and mm-hmm. you in there could be like a lower stage of it where there's a certain consistency, but it doesn't really work that way. Right. Because we, we live in an industry based world, which is very much about, um, you know, exchanging hours for money, you know, people put their time in for money and stuff like that. And so then when you come into art, art is like not really facilitating, um, that mindset. It's a more entrepreneurial kind of thing. Like it's very much about, can you, um, if I give you a pen or I give you 10 pens, can you get 10 other people to give you a couple bucks for these pens? Can you get them to give you $30 for this pen? Can you get them to give you $100? Can you get them to give you $10,000? Irrelevant, right? But can you get them to give you money for this pen? Now, if you believe you can, you go out in the world and you try to give this pen to other people and you say, it's, it's a buck or it's two bucks and here's why you need to buy it. Well, you take an actor, for example, who has no like awareness about marketing or sales or how to you know, how to brand themselves, how to image themselves, you know, how to even really understand the equipment they're selling. They don't even understand themselves. And then you say, they say, I want to go do that. And you go, okay, great. But you have really no, no training, no awareness on whatever. And then you have, um, now I don't, I don't want to make anybody wrong, but you have teachers out there who also don't understand it, but they do understand certain things about the pen. Mm -hmm. They understand certain things about how to write great calligraphy with it. They can teach, but they don't know how to actually sell that specific pen, but they understand how to use that pen. So they teach the actor how to use the pen better, but then the actor still has to kind of compare someone else using, you know, whatever you get the idea, right? So they're going out. It's more complicated than that. And the thing is, is the point is, is if if I give you the 10 pens, 
can you make the $10, the $100, the $1,000 by selling them all or whatever they are worth per unit? So the thing is, is like as an actor, you're a specific thing and you need to go in the world and that's the industry. And you need to figure out how do I get people to actually buy this thing? And we're doing it with almost no training and no awareness. And it's literally, in, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, even with filmmakers and screenwriters, and I'm just going to talk about film industry because that, that's more what I know, but you're not properly learning how to actually sell it you're only or market it you're only really learning how to um how to use it and so it's a much different thing so i think with artistry you know what we're trying to do here in this conversation is we're trying to figure out how do i be integral to my artistry and like figure out how to do it really well and use the thing really well but also how do i communicate it and and not make it just another pen you know what i mean right take a you know if you take a say like Bic, right? Bic pens, they make, um, you know, these plastic pens and whatever, and you can get a pack of 10 of them and they're like a couple bucks, a few bucks. Those pens are not worth very much. Ultimately, like people throw them out when they're halfway done, or even they use them once and throw them out. It doesn't really matter because you can always get another one. They're, 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 they're not rare. Um, the materials are not really worth all that much. And so as an artist, what you end up experiencing is you go, well, what am I? Am I like a Bic pen or am I this gold plated, nice ball pen or whatever, or whatever. Um, and so you don't know. And so a lot of your career is trying to figure that out and how to actually, um, figure out how to enhance your value. Um, and so that's the second step. But the first step, and I know this is a kind of a long winded way to say it, but the first step I think with anything is you just need to be curious and interested. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to make a movie and you don't, you don't have to know if you want to be a filmmaker yet. I think what you need to do is just go make a movie Yeah. and don't go, don't go to film school until you've made a movie. Don't do it. I think it's the worst thing ever. I, I if I, you know, I would never, um, let someone go into a full-time filmmaking program if they had never made a movie before. That's why one of my first filmmaking classes we're just going to sit, we're going to make a movie. That's it. We're going to make a movie. And, and, and I don't let them get too complicated and do I make the right movie and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter right now. What you need to do is you need to have the experience of making a movie. And if you don't like it at the end of it, then this isn't for you. But if you like it, like when I made my first film, you know, like it, it wasn't great, but the thing is I loved the process of making it. And so I will say that I think that's ultimately why I got into filmmaking. And I see a lot of people come through and they make their first film and they're super proud of it, but they don't necessarily want to be filmmakers, but it's like acting, you know, your workshop. Um, and I'm just going to say one last thing. Your workshop is great first workshop because you can see from that workshop. Okay. Do I want to take at least this train of acting further? You know, if I like it, if I'm seeing it kind of do something for me, then I can kind of venture in. But I imagine like where you're taking it from what I know about Meisner is it gets a lot more challenging, a lot more complicated, a lot harder. So if you're not really enjoying the challenges in the first initial fun- fundamental stages, I mean, when it gets complicated, it's not going to be fun. I mean, add in the marketing and the selling and all the other stuff that you're trying to do on top of the craft. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that was my long winded way of saying, yeah, first start with your interest and curiosity, go do the thing get some experience, see if you like it. If you like it, then ask the next question. Do I love it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it really is like, it takes you, it takes you to that next step. Right. Um, because like if you're going to have any sort of longevity, I think was like, that was what was going on in my head. It's just yeah. like, if you want to, if like, if this is something you seriously want to do, like 
then you've got to really love it. Right. Like you've got to really love what it's doing. And, and you brought up an interesting thing where it was like, Oh, you know, like the how, you know, like we learn a lot of how to do a lot of these things, right? Like how to do, how to write calligraphy, you know, like how to, you know, how to do a punctuate something in a specific way or how to, I don't know, or however you want to format something. And it's, and it's all very technical. Um, but you know, I, I find that it's still, there's, there's a, for a lot of artists and maybe I'm, maybe I'm painting too broad a stroke here, but in, in my experience with, with acting, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about what it was that we were doing. Like, what are we actually doing here with this? It was a lot of, all right, here's how we're going to, you know, break this down and, and figure out how to do what we would Hmm. consider to be a strong performance or a strong <laughs> scene, right? Like, yeah. cause that's really all it is, you yeah. know, like I just sort of like, well, this is how we sort of think it's done. Right. Right. But there's this whole, it's like, and, and I feel that whole, what part of it is, is a foundation that's really neglected. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing here? And I think that that's, that is such an important question to, to ask if you, if you really are considering getting into an, an art form of some kind or, or within an artistic industry, it's important that you're familiar with what it is that you're doing as an art form. Right. That's, I think that was what I was, I was sort of grappling with the other day. Yeah. That's and a, because yeah, that's that good. was something that I never like, because I got into it because I just really had a lot of fun doing it. Right. Like it was, and it was something that I just sort of had a natural inclination for, right. You know, like doing characters and doing voices and like putting on a show, entertaining people and having a lot of fun doing it. Right. right. Um, and though, and those are all great reasons like that, that also, it speaks to sort of your inner child, which is a good place and that curiosity, like you're saying, that's a good place to start from. You know, um, what I, you know what I find so interesting about um, acting in particular is now I am someone that I personally believe that we need to teach people it as a whole, as a society, like, and, and we can all benefit from thinking bigger, thinking in the big picture and going like, what's possible? Like, instead of going like, oh, that couldn't happen. And, you know, getting realistic, we need to kind of be optimists in the sense that we go, I'm curious, like almost like a scientist, I'm curious to see if this would work, you know? And, um, sometimes I think what happens is knowledge and I, and I, and I put, um, kind of quotations on this knowledge thing. Knowledge is not knowledge. It's opinion. It's not fact. It's, uh, fear based ideas that people have. And we take it as knowledge as though they know. And, um, I think we need to be very careful about listening to people tell us about what's possible and what isn't who have never tested it or done it. And, um, I would much rather learn from someone who tried something and failed and told me, this is why it didn't work for me. This is what I wasn't willing to do it. I never tried this, but doing this, this, and this, it wasn't enough. Then I could go, okay, I can respect that because mm-hmm. they go, you would need to do more than that. 
You know what I mean? Or whatever. As opposed to someone going, oh, the odds are not good. I don't care about your fucking odds. You're, you, I want to know, like, you're, you're a teacher. You want to be a mentor. You want to be someone telling me like, what's, you know, like we can get all day about statistics. You know what? The thing is, is though, that is, that is my, and I talk about this all the time on these podcasts, but that is the education system problem. We are not a number. If you're in school and and you're treated like student number 30 or student number 27 and, and you're, you're, you're batched. There's a real issue with that. You are a individual that nobody else in the world actually understands, including you, until you've done some massive work on yourself and then you can begin to get the tip of the iceberg of who you are. So if anyone ever classifies you or calls you a name or says, you know, you're this or you're that or you're whatever, they, they have um, not, they have actually harmed you. You know what I mean? In my opinion. So my point is, is that we need to have this sense of individuality. And when we teach, if we have individuality, we can start to teach from our own experience as though it's unique, as opposed to quoting statistics and saying, well, on the average, you know, only 5% of actors actually make, you know, money to live on and only 15% are actually like blah, 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 blah. And then the other 85%, you know, whatever, you know, just pay dues basically. You know what I mean? And so you can take all those statistics and that's fine. And you know what? I'm not saying that they're not true. I'm not saying that they're not accurate, but they're not accurate of you. You're not a statistic until you decide to place yourself in that batch category. Yeah. You know? And so I think this kind of feeds into like what you're talking about too, with the teaching, right? Like, um, we need to think big, but also we don't understand how the industry works getting into it. Like young actors, a lot of time, like don't understand, like you're working on a scene, for example, in a say scene study class, you, you do your first scene study class. You're doing the scene from, you know, some, some big major scene in some movie, right? And you're the lead character and you're, you know, whatever. And the thing is, is that you're probably not coming out of the gate doing that role. Like most, the, okay, most likely not, but it could happen. So it's good you're working on it, but most likely you're not. What's probably going to happen is you're going to get in for some auditions for some smaller parts. Maybe you got a line, maybe you got a few lines, maybe you got 10 lines that's probably where you're going to kind of find your first role. Most likely. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's for everybody. Some people kind of, you know, jump the gap, whatever, but you need to understand that the role that's a one line to 10 lines, you're there as a technician. You're there to do a job to help the story move along. You are not the picture. You're not the focus. So you need to be like someone who kind of helps the artist paint the picture. You know what I mean? Like your artistry is within a very small element. But if you're like, say, I don't know, I'm just name anybody, Tom Cruise, Daniel Lee Lewis, Meryl Streep, doesn't matter, major, major player, that show actually in many ways rests on your shoulders in a lot of ways. Um, after it's been written and after the vision's been kind of put in, but you're taking like, like say you put Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio together, you're taking the, the main two um, visual artists, the artists that are kind of creating it. Yeah. Now everyone else is kind of facilitating it for them to have that vision kind of come to be right. But if, if we, um, think of ourselves too highly, I think what ends up happening is we get in our own way, you know, to kind of, because there's a job to do. There's, um, I don't want to say that you're a technician, but, um, but, but you got to understand your role. Like, um, someone gave me this example once they said, let's just say that, you know, it's military situation and you had to make an assassination or whatever. 
And, you know, are they going to send the rookie sniper that just got out of boot camp to go do it? Or are they going to send the seasoned pro that's been doing it for 15 years, you know, and has X kills behind, behind him yeah. or whatever, her? Um, well, they're probably going to send the expert, right? But that doesn't mean that the, that the um, new recruit can't be tagging along or can't be a part of that in some way, helping facilitate for the expert to do it. And I think as, as, as artists, we are at kind of different stages and we have different jobs at different times. And so, um, you know, if, if you keep the picture within reason, if you keep what you need to do within reason, it becomes much more simple and attainable. But I think, you know, um, these feelings for an artist that come up, which make it seem overwhelming and impossible and everybody else who's looking at you seems impossible. Cause if you compare an, a new actor to Leonardo DiCaprio or Meryl Streep, it's not comparable. That's not fair. But if you compare that person and, and, you know, to kind of the new actor starting out right on, on the average, okay. You can start to see that, Hey, you know what? This is what your skill level is in this realm right now. Cause you've just started, Yeah. but like they've been doing it for, you know, 20 years. So, you know, to compare someone who's been doing it for a year to someone who's been doing it for 20 or someone, you know, whatever. And I think yeah. that that's why we kind of have this weird societal understanding of artistry where people get compared to people and it's, it's out of context. I, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. It's kind of roundabout no, I, way to, to describe yeah, what I'm no. saying, but I mean, Sanford Meisner said it takes 20 years to learn acting. <laughs> so, well, there's, an, there's another point but, with your advice, right? Is that if you're starting out, you know, don't expect to have 20 years, um, behind your belt just cause you're starting out, you know? I mean, you, you know, you're, we all got to do the work, you know, you, you might have an aptitude or an advanced ability or whatever, certain life experience awareness, but you know, no one really has like, uh, no one's special. It's not like, uh, we might, you're special in the sense that you might have a better ability over here, but you know, sometimes you might not be so good over here that just might not be exposed yet, you know? And so I think if we go in thinking that we are kind of a bigger deal, then we don't do the work. You know what I mean? But if you come in with a certain sense of humility and you go, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to do this stuff. I think you're a much better place. I don't know. Maybe it's opinion, but I, I, I see it that way. I see it with most things that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that that was like, I, it's an interesting point. I don't, I don't know if that was like, went off topic a little, like that was ex- necessarily what I was saying, which is maybe like my, my own sort of communication on that, <laughs> but I liked it. I might've taken it wrong. Well, okay. Let me give you an example of what I mean to take it further. I did your first weekend with, uh, Meisner, uh, and I've been, I've been doing acting for you know quite a while, but I did that. And I realized that the way you guys were teaching it, there was, it, it was actually surprisingly complicated for that little, just, and we only did a little bit of it and I could see how it gets more and more complicated as you go. But what I really respected about it was from the Meisner that I had learned previously, my experiences with it, we were way far advanced into it. I was learning kind of more advanced things. There's a lot of things to maintain. So the Meisner lesson that I was learning got kind of diluted by having to think about all this other stuff. I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Whereas with yours, you did it. And I, and I, I imagine that the best Meisner teaches teachers teach this way. Just repeat, just start with that repeat, right? That's it. That's all you do. And then you added an element and then you added, then we got that down. Then you added two elements, then you added three elements, right? And so what ends up happening is now I'm, now I'm capable to do each one, but incrementally getting better. Whereas before 
I never really knew if I was good at it or I was doing it right or not because I was always doing 20 things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And my point was that when we start out with something, I think what we want to do is we we can learn it all, but we want to work on incrementally getting better at one thing at a time. They say like a, for a UFC fighter, for example, don't learn every submission right away. Master one submission, get that down where you can do that anytime. You always know how to get into it. Then once you've mastered that submission, then you can move on to learning two submissions and then three and then so on. Right. And, um, you know, I think that goes for anything, you know, um, like if you're a painter, learn one type of, one type of, you know, painting or whatever, then, then learn charcoal drawing or learn something, but learn it specifically that get masterful at that. And then what will end up happening is you can start crossing over your artistic skills. You know, you can kind of see how one relates to the other, but mm-hmm. if you're kind of just dabbling in all of it, trying to do all of it, well, you probably do none of it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, because you never really are going to know it's like a science experiment, you know, you create only one variable in a science experiment, only one thing that's kind of different, because if you create two, the moment you do that, you never know which variable had the effect. Right. Right. So, you know, artistry is like that, but we don't, we don't take like a science approach to artistry. We kind of treat artistry like, oh yeah, just go out there and be on stage or go out there and paint, you know, and we have a certain natural ability we might find, but I think it's interesting because like we, I feel like there's a certain stage where we don't treat it that way. Like when you come in from like not really knowing anything about it, you're just sort of, you know, dabbling into it, having some fun. Like you don't really think about it that way. It's just like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, I'll just learn some lines or I'll, you know, oh, I see this. I'll just try and paint this picture or whatever that I have in front of me or whatever. Like you just, you just kind of go and see what you can, you can do with it. Right. Without any real direction. And then I think that what happens, and again, I I'm, I'm speaking with my own experience here, um, of training as an actor is that, so like you're, because yeah, like I can agree, like I didn't receive a whole ton of direction when I was in high school as an actor, I was kind of just like allowed to just do what I wanted to, to a large degree. Um, and then once I got out of that, it was, I was suddenly like, I was just like smoked in the face with like technique, right? Like just how to do all of these different things, you know, just like kind of all at once too. And, and so it, the approach was like complete opposites. It went from one side way to the other. Mm. Right. And there was no balance within it, which is, which is sort of what led me, led me on the path that I went on in terms of trying to, to really understand what it was that I was doing as an actor, like in, in a way that, that it's like, okay, like I understand technique, but like, you know, it, to a degree, I'd felt that I'd lost something, mm. you know, by swinging too far. I'm like, I lost something and I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, and, and again, it, it sort of, this is where I, now it's leaded, led me to this thing of, of, well, you know what? I, I don't know if I ever really understood what it was that I was trying to achieve as an actor. Well, you're probably, I mean, I'm just, guessing, but you're probably trying to do a good job. 
Yes. I mean, that's, that's like, that was really what it was like, Oh, I want to do a good job. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, that's, that's perfectly fine. But that's trying to do a good job does not engage you with the art form. Right. Like you might happenstance upon it, but there was sort of a lack of articulation of, of what was going on like that, the, what the art form itself is, this is, this is like what my, my whole sort of point is on this. And, and, and I find myself getting really passionate about this whole thing now (laughs) because I'm like, it was like every now and then, you know, a teacher would say, it's like, we are, uh, you know, like, like we are the mirrors to society. Right. And that was, and you know, that was it. And another time it would, it would be like, um, you know, we are, we are the communicators of the human condition. And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Right. <laughs> like, I, like, I get it to like, I get it now, but it was a really like an intellectual concept, Yeah. you know? And then it was just like, it's like, okay. So you said that and it's like, and then it's like, okay, so like, so how do we be that? Like, and, and the other thing is like, I have no real connection to that. Right on an emotional level to what that means. Yeah. You know, to like something deep inside me that says, yes, yes, I understand. I want to be like the, <laughs> you know, I want to be a communicator of the human condition. Yeah. Like it, it's like that, that wasn't ever really language. And i would heard that kind of language by many different teachers, um, through my time as, as a student in training. And it never had a whole lot of meaning to me other than just some really kind of a a nice sentiment. Like it was a really, a really fancy sounding sentiment Mm -hmm. about the importance of what we, what we're doing. Right. Um, and, but it never really connected me to, to the art form itself. And this is, this is what I'm getting to is like, what is our connection to the art form? like the, like getting down to like the, like the absolute root of what it is that we're doing, because I feel like the original, so often the original intention of why this thing exists gets completely lost. Yes. In this is what I mean by the what, you know, it's like, we know a lot of like how, how we think this is done, but then there's like, it's not attached to the what we're doing at all. Right. And so the how can't work without the what. And I would even go (laughs) further and say the what isn't going to be able to work without the why. Yes. You know, because I think everything ultimately comes down to why, but, but I think what's interesting is that we folk, we get overly focused on the how, which blurs out kind of the what and totally makes us blind to the why. Um, and really it goes the other way because if you know why you're doing it and you're always focused on that, what you're doing might change a little, how you're doing it will change drastically. Mm -hmm. But if you're so focused on the how to do it, like it's these actors who are like, this is how you act, or this is how you do something. Or those teachers that tell you, this is how it's done. It's like, well, you know, you could tell me that people play the guitar a certain way, but I can show you some musicians who flipped it upside down and played it that way or played it on their lap with their fingertips, kind of like this. So your how is, is yeah. Like, it's, it's not necessarily accurate. Right. Yeah. And, and the question is also like, you can have an, 
or an, uh, a musician or whatever, it doesn't matter, play the instrument in a certain way. But what are they doing with the music that they're playing? Like, what yeah. is it doing? Are they even getting it out there? Are they just playing it in their room? Are it, what are they doing to, what are they trying to do to other people or to communicate? Right. And then fine. Okay. So now they're doing something, but like, why, you know, why? Like if you get down to it and I think what ends up happening is when you get down to the core of the why you start to realize the vanity in art, you start to realize, you know, and, and, um, it's really interesting actually, because I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about how we, and this isn't a new concept, but I was thinking about how we believe our own lies. Like, how does this happen? Right. And so if you start telling yourself that you're doing something for a reason you're not really doing it for, and so you can maybe continue to do a behavior, you know? So really like you say, well, I'm doing it because I love the art but you're really doing it so you can be famous or so you can meet somebody or so you can be accepted or so yeah. whatever. But if you start telling the little bit of a lie, your practice, you start to believe that your practice is actually linked to the why that you lied about, not the why that actually is yeah. true. And that's why it's so important when you get down to the why, like if you're doing it for vanity, I think the first thing to do is like, okay, this is why I've been doing it. And then you can actually adjust and work with it. Yeah. You know, someone also, if they're doing it for vanity, might go, well, I like doing it for vanity. Well, right now, if, if that's, that's fine, I think what ends up happening is you run into some interactions with it and you start to realize, oh, hey, this isn't actually, isn't, isn't maybe as good, you know, yeah. but we have to have that life experience. So I'm not going to say it's wrong, but you know, our why gets confused. We totally get blind to it. Yeah. Um, and I think it, and this is kind of like a, a strange person, but somebody who is an artist of sorts, um, is my, uh, is my acupuncturist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, she's, I think she's really like an, an artist as a, as a healer. Um, and she had said something because I want to get into this whole what and why conversation because, um, and it was an interesting no- thing that she'd sort of planted in my head. And she said, you know, she's like, so many people are obsessed with the why. And it's not that the why isn't important. She's like, but sometimes it, it's like, it's the what. Like, and sometimes it actually really is the what. Because it's not that the why isn't important, but sometimes the why, the why can just like throw you in circles. Yeah. Or it, it, it can, it can not give you a very clear image sometimes it's like, Oh, well, why do you want to be an actor? Right. Right. It's like, Oh, well, you know, but if you answer that, what question? It's like, okay, here's what acting is. Here's what, here's what this, this actual art form is. So why do you want to do it? Right. Right. Okay. And then that's, like, that's really good. Actually that better frames the why. Cause if you don't even know what it is, how do you even answer that? Yeah. Why? Because that's a really good point. So many people yeah. don't know I think some people don't really know what the art form is that they're, that they get themselves involved with, you know, mm. it's like, and again, I don't want to, this is not as a, as a means of discouraging people, you know, like I, I never want to discourage anybody from creating art. Like, as you said, like, if you've got a curiosity, like, like go and, and do it and try it, but also start to like looking into what this thing is that you're doing mm. as an art form. And it might sound a little bit weird. It might force you to think in a bit of a different way than you're used to thinking. Hmm. Right. Because, but that's, that's kind of what art 
is like it doesn't it art is sort of it's not really meant to be fit into a box no. yet very often we are trained in these art forms in a box right it's like okay this is how you do this and this is how you <laughs> this is how you paint a landscape this is how you write a song this is boom 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 like and it's all like these are things that again like we've we've sort of learned some things that that seem to have some consistencies to them um, you know, concepts of what we've discovered, you know, generally is within what makes what we consider to be good. Like these things are normally within that, but not necessarily. And again, it's not what it's all about. Like the, the, the technique of art is not the art. And I feel like a broken record and how many times (laughs) I like I've said this, but, um, but I think it's important because it's, it's just, I don't know. I just think it's far too neglected a point that it's like, it's like, Oh, well we know what it is. We think that we know what it is. And here I am. I've been acting since I was, I mean, if you don't want to count like all the times I was just like doing make believe and pretending, which was like my favorite thing to do as a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. But when I actually was like, no, I want to act, you know, and I started like learning a little bit about acting and getting involved with act, like actually getting involved with it, you know, in, in a way that was beyond just my own sort of like, you know, fun with friends and at home. It's like, I've been doing this for, for probably close to 20 years. Yeah. And I now, like now I'm only starting to, to feel like, I'm beginning to understand what it is that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how has it taken this long for me to even just start thinking about this? Well, you're not, um, not like none of us are, uh, kind of facilitated or guided to actually figure out what it is early on, because it's so interesting how you would even need to assess when you started acting like, well, you go, well, when I started in the industry, but you were doing it as a little kid, you know, like when a little kid is dancing or doing something else or whatever, like if they were doing math or something, when they were a kid, they would be working on their math. You know what I mean? But yet when kids playing make believe, they're not really working on anything according to the way, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, they're playing make believe. It's like how fun, but make believe is essentially a big part of what we're doing. I mean, and so there's this weird thing too, like when you're a kid, how, um, society wants to make it wrong, the things that you're doing. For example, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have these action figures, right? Yeah. And I, I had, uh, you know, I had a lot of them and I used to make up these elaborate stories and they all had characters, you know, they were all characters and personalities and whatever. And I would create these elaborate stories with them. I loved playing with my toys. And I think part of the big reason which helped facilitate that is that, um, you know, I had two older brothers who were kind of off doing their own thing. My parents were both super busy with work. A lot of time I was left alone to my own devices, you know. And so what it really entertained me was, you know, playing with toys and making up stories. Now, it's like not surprising now that I'm a filmmaker and actor. But at the time, I remember when I was getting to be like around 10 or 9, 10, 11 area, right? And I was... And everyone was like, you got to stop doing that. You got to stop playing with them. You got to, st-. and the thing is, is like, you know, it's fine how, you know, people are saying, okay, well, you got to grow up, 
but those are my tools. That might as well have been my paintbrush. It might as well have been my guitar. It doesn't really matter. Those are my tools to create story. I didn't have the writing ability. I didn't have another outlet to create story. I had action figures. I had toys. And it's, I think what happens is instead of replacing it and helping the kid find a new place to express this, it's just like, no, you can't, you're too old. And like, you know, and I, I, I was thinking about this last night because I was at a wedding and I was just out there with everybody and I was thinking, when was it, at what point did I start to become self-conscious where I would even consider how I might look on the dance floor? Because I remember being a kid and everybody's dancing. I just went out there and did my thing, Yeah. you know, but what point did I start getting told that I had to look or do it a certain way or whatever, you know, um, just like playing with toys or playing make believe or doing any of this stuff. And I think we have like this society that's like saying, well, you got to grow up and being grown up is being like, you know, like this dead robot of a person where you don't express yourself anymore. And you look at how, how are you looking and appearing to the world? Because, you know, you better fit in and you better not, you know, make any noise or make a ruckus. And I think the thing is, is that artists are, you know, and, and everybody, there's this few people who have parents or have, they have mentors or guides who are around who actually really help them facilitate this type of creativity early on. But a lot of people um, don't. And I think what ends up happening is, is our art later in life becomes a battle of undoing the, the destructive growing up that we were supposed to do in our teenage years or whatever. You know, my, um, my, my cousin, she was, uh, you know, she was a gymnast. She was a cheerleader. She won big awards, got, I believe, scholarships to, you know, university, whatever. And my uncle was talking about how when she was a little kid, she jumped off of her, um, they heard her jump out of her um, crib or whatever. And they heard the noise and they ran over and they thought she fell out or something. But she was just climbing up and doing jumps and somersaults off this thing. And he was saying, like, we put her in gymnastics after that, <laughs> you know, because... Yeah that's what she wanted to do. And, you know, and she was awesome at it. But the thing is, is that's, that, that's kind of guiding someone and, and creating something where they can do that more of that, as opposed to kind of, you know, taking or suppressing that away. Yeah. You know what I mean, and where you can, where you can hone that thing. Yeah. Right. Like, cause yeah, like when you're a, when you're a kid, like kids are just like explosive, creative energy. Like it just like, it just bursts everywhere and it's kind of chaotic and like, it's just like, and it's amazing to watch. Um, and the thing is, is that I, I think that oftentimes that gets snubbed out because it's, it's looked at as being like, Oh, it's, it's childish. It's like, well, no, it's like, it can just be like refocused. Mm-hmm. Like it can be just uh, that energy can be focused into something, right? you know, without losing any of its, like its potency and its power. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I have to say on that, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And I think, you know, so we talked on the last podcast and if anyone's interested in tune into it. Um, but we talked on the last podcast about depression and we also, at one point in the podcast, we kind of discussed a little bit about how it's anger turned inward. You know, mm. it's, you're depressed. You, you know, you've turned everything inside and you've turned it almost in on yourself. And so I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, well, you know, um, this feeling uh, that I, you know, I call it, um, depression. I want to call it whatever, you know, that comes up in my life every now and then. Well, it snuck up for me a little bit actually over the last week, just a little bit. And I was like, well, what do we talk about on the podcast? What have I learned? You know, all the work that I've done, because I've been doing everything else. I've been building my self-esteem. I've been doing, you know, lots of things. So I've been feeling great, but I had a moment started to come up and I started to really 
kind of just not feel good about myself and started to do a little bit of a spiral. And I said, well, what's going on right now? And I thought anger turned inward. Okay. Express some anger, man. Let yourself out. So I grabbed my steering wheels in my car is driving down the road and I just screamed and I grabbed it as hard as I could. And I went, ah, you know, and I did that and I expressed it. And I was like, whoa, I feel amazing. And I was like, that's what's happening. Every time I'm having this feeling, because what I've learned, what I've learned about myself recently is that part of the reason why I've been feeling this way recently is because I took a lot of my emotions and I started to go, it's wrong for me to express this. It's wrong for me. I need to be calm. I need to be cool. Yeah. I need to be peaceful. I need to make sure that I have everything under control. And the truth is, is that what ended up happening was I didn't have anything under control. What I had was I, I, I learned how to just start suppressing my emotions and start to turn them in on me. So I realized, you know, and this is not just from our last podcast. I've been realizing this over the last few weeks more mm-hmm. and more, but that I need to go into the emotion and stop like pretending it's not there. And this was a really great moment for me because I got great express your feeling. Cause you know what? I think what ends up happening is as we become adults, we learn that we're not allowed to be angry, that angry is somehow bad, that we're not allowed to cry in public, especially men, you know, that if we're too happy, too excited, it's weird and it's, it's inappropriate, you know, and all these things, they just, that's suppress. embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. They suppress us down into these small little creatures. And it's no wonder, you know, like when you look at a lot of people, like, you know, man, like going on, on public transit, for example, and you look at all the people around and they're all down you know, and they occasionally see some people that are up and happy, but there's lots of times, you know, I notice they're just down. People are down. They're in traffic. They're down. They're just down, down, down all the time. And it's like, well, of course you're down. Cause you have all this emotion inside. You, you have all this stuff going on and you have no outlet. You have no way to express it. And I think what makes art really great is it's not, it's not good for therapy, but it is therapeutic. It is a great way for you to take the thing and express it outward. And I thought to myself, you know, Um, I, I have a lot of anger inside me still. Yeah. Because if this depression thing keeps coming up, if it's going to poke its head again, that tells me that I have anger inside me. That's what I've learned. I'm either scared or I have anger, but I think there's a lot of anger. And so what I realized is like, you know what? You need an outlet for this. You need a way to start letting this out and you need to start being honest with yourself that it's there. Cause I've been walking around like, I'm not angry. Everything's good. And I'm not passive aggressive about it, but I turn it in on myself. And it really hurts me. And I, and what I did find was, you know, I did a few moments of a kind of did a, you know, I, I almost call it like a beast growl or something, you know, yeah. and, I, and just flexed my muscles and let some tension out of my body. And my body just it, like alleviated all this stuff that was hanging out there. And, you know, um, uh, you know, I'll admit this as well. There was a, a couple years ago, I went to an acting class and it was, I never been. And uh, I went in and I talked to the teacher and we did the scene and she pointed out some things that were, she, she's kind of said, you know, I think this is what's going on for you. And we were working some subject matter that was a little challenging. And I, I was like, yeah, you know, it's true. This is, and I'm not, I'm not really being honest about it. I came home, I sat on the edge of my bed and all of a sudden I just, I, and I just thought, you know what? I'm really, really sad. And I put my hands, put my head in my hands and I, and I let myself cry for like, you know, 15 minutes. And it felt so good because I'd been storing that for about a year. I'd just been storing that just this tremendous amount of heartbreak and pain and hurt that was going on. And I just yeah. was like trying to be stronger than it. But the problem is, is like, you know, 
I, I've been taught my whole life, don't cry, be strong, be whatever, right? And I think like a lot of us have. And the thing is, is that we have a lot to cry about. We have a lot to be angry about. We have a lot to be excited about. But we're living in a world where people aren't, aren't like, you know, it's not appropriate to express it. And I, I think, um, you know, I think what art is so wonderful is that it's like anything, but it's a, it's, it isn't an outlet for you to start to express these things that are really inside there. And I think when we don't allow that stuff to come out, we, we don't know what our art is yet. And if we try to do it from our head, we'll never know what it is because that's all technique. But when emotion comes out, it's unexpected. It's raw. You don't really know what it's going to look like. You know, even though I've been angry before, I've cried before, I've been super excited before, when it comes out, every time it comes out, when it truly comes out, it's, isn't it always, don't you find like somewhat unique in that when you, when you let it kind of take, like, let it flow a little, the, you know, you're, you're, you, if you ever filmed yourself or ever saw yourself, like I've seen myself on camera, be truly angry. And it's, it's an, it's an interesting thing. There's behaviors that come out. There's things that come out that are not controlled, you know? And, and I think, um, my point is, is that with art, the reason why we don't, I, I think really see what our potential is in it is we don't really allow ourselves to let go and feel we do. We learn too much to think, you know, we learn too much to think like, um, even making a film, you know, you can be in a situation and you could look and you could be there at the location and you could have a moment where you go, no, you know what? I'm, I'm, there's something here. I'm feeling like this, you know, now, Granted, you have your shot list and you have all this stuff, especially the bigger the production, you're not really breaking away from that. But I think we got to try to listen to our emotion. You know what I mean? Um, there's a, a movie that I got distributed that I made uh, as a filmmaker. And there's a moment where the character attacks another character and it's vicious, like super vicious. And I had this moment where we were about to shoot the scene and I thought, it needs, we, we, we don't want to see this. And so what I did is I filmed their shadows and it was so much different. It was so much better because if we would have seen it, we, we would have had to do all these special effects and visuals. And I wasn't even thinking that, but the idea, when you see the shadows and you see the movement and you hear the sound, it's, it's a different experience. You know what I mean? But that's kind of about trusting, like what am like, like in the moment I thought, man, it would be so much scarier in a way not to see this thing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then, and then it plays on your imagination. Now you could think that out and you go, well, obviously that's what you do as a filmmaker. You, you know, you don't show it, you, you know, whatever. I mean, the thing is, is I think we have unique responses that come out of our truth, you know, our true inner, and I'd say truth like our, cause I think our feelings inform more of who we really are in a lot of way. And I think we have these logic brains that are very tricky. Like when you asked that question, you said, why am I acting? Right. And you said, Oh, it's kind of circular. It is circular because the logic side of our brain will always come up with a reason why we do something. Even if it's not true. Exactly. And so it never actually answers us if we ask it directly. I mean, unless we already know it, it's not something you can just ask yourself why you actually have to go in and feel it because yeah. your logic brain won't tell you why. Like, if you ask someone to logically answer why they do anything, they'll come up with a perfectly valid reason. Everyone will believe it and it'll seem fine. doesn't mean it's the truth. And the worst part about it is they'll believe it. But if you, you know, if you're like, 
if you're like in something, if you're like there and you're feeling it, then that's a good time to figure out, figure out why. Like that's a good time to go, you know, cause it's those moments where you're, you know, where you're doing something and you're like, I love this. And then that's really kind of a more informed idea of, what, of the why. And like, I'm not even going to try to logic what that is mm-hmm. because I don't even know if there is a way to necessarily logic it or not. I don't know if why is a question you can answer on paper either. I think the what, maybe the how, maybe, but the why, I don't know if it is. I think it's something that we have to kind of almost understand intrinsically. And it's not something we can let our logic brain poison, you know, because think about it. Like even Meisner, don't think like be in the moment. How do you describe that moment? Your logic mind will get in there immediately and go, Oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, this is what's happening. And this is why. Yeah. But it's all projections all bullshit anyway. It does it's not real. Yeah. It, you just reduce it to a bunch of like components to functional components, but that doesn't capture what it doesn't capture what was actually there right. for that moment. You know, you're like, you're objectively looking back in retrospect, right? Which is, you know, again, why I just think it's like, well, this whole what of, of art, you know, like what it is that we're doing and, and to get into that space, like it is, it's just, it's something that you feel into. It's something that you engage with, with your, with your whole being and that you explore, like, this is like, I, I am kind of like doing that right now, but there's no real way to, to necessarily pinpoint it. You can just sort of like, sh- like throw a hand into a direction and mm-hmm. say, it's just like, well, it's, it's over there. Right. You know, like it's somewhere over there. You've got to find it though, but this is kind of the way that you've got to go with it. Um, which is again, why, why like the closest and, you know, thing that I can use to describe it is, is like, it's a, it's a state. Yeah. That's the best thing that I've got so far on this whole subject. It's a state. It's a state of being like, it's, it's not, it's not a tool. It's not a technique. Like it's, um, like, cause there's nothing, there's nothing universal in any technique. Mm hmm in, in any sort of art form, like people are trained in all sorts of different methods and this and that and whatever. And they can all really like, they can, they can work or they can, they might not work. Like it's, there's no, there's no sort of one way of doing it. Mm. There's no one how of doing it. Right. Um, there's a great quote um, from, uh, a course in miracles. And I think it totally applies to artistic discipline. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it there's early in the book, it says, um, a universal theology is impossible. A universal experience is not only possible, it is necessary. Hmm. And I think that that is completely true like when, when it comes to arts, like there's so many different ways that you can do it. None of them really matter to a large degree. Mm. Like they don't really matter. Um, so long as they give the experience of what it is to be in that space, Mm. right. To be in that creative space, which again, you have to experience it. 
Mm. You have to be in it. And there's sort of, it's all just different ways of getting there. But this is like to come back again to this, like the what is, is just an important thing to discuss. It's an important seed to plant at the very least for somebody to explore to somebody to really meditate on and find it for themselves to be like, okay, what did it, what is it that I'm doing rather than just be like, okay, um, like you're here to do this. So here's a bunch of, here's a bunch of technique. Well, you know, uh, tools and it's just like, okay, great. But what, what are we referencing it to? Hmm. What, how, how are we connecting that to like the, the, what has to be, be there in us so that we know why we're doing it. And then we can figure out how we're going to do this thing. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. So like you're familiar with, are you familiar with NLP neural linguist linguistic programming, basically the power of using words to, okay. um, to uh, influence, to, uh, you know, to, okay. In some ways to manipulate in some ways to, um, help direct and mold and guide. Yeah, not a lot, but I, I think I can understand what you're, what you're directing to. So the basic idea is, you know, words and the way that we make them mean and what they are, you know, are powerful. And, um, you know, and, and they're, they're very powerful. For example, um, if I say the word stabbed or I say the word poked, you have a different experience of both words yet. I could be describing the same thing. You know, I just poked him or I just stabbed him, right? It's a different, it's a different thing. It's a different mm-hmm. feel. It's a different meaning, right? So neuro-linguistic program, you can alter the way a story is told based with words. Now, the reason why I was thinking about that was because as we've been talking about this, what, and this, why, especially with the why, and, uh, maybe, maybe somewhat with the what, but especially with the why, if you try to describe it with words, you alter the meaning of it. You sculpt the meaning of it with the words. And those that sculpting with, with words is not necessarily accurate of what is going on. Because if I tell a story about how something really bad happened to me. And I use very tame, gentle words. It doesn't seem so bad, but if I give the harsh words, if I say the most visceral words, you'll have a different experience of it. Right. And so I was thinking about this and I was thinking like, you know, when we try to use our linguistics to describe an experience to other people or to ourselves, it's just no way that it can actually, um, encapsulate, uh, this, this, this thing, because it isn't, you know, you narrow it down too much with words. And so, um, I was thinking like, you know, a lot of the time you have to be really careful with the people you work with because innocently they will ask questions, but those questions don't always lead to good answers. You know, um, the questions are extremely, extremely powerful Mm -hmm. for human beings. And when, um, when we don't understand the power of them, we are very vulnerable to what they can do to us. And, um, in the hands of someone who is, uh, you know, has poor intent, uh, who's maybe sociopathic, whatever, um, maybe just narcissistic, or maybe they're out for destruction. Their questions can literally create our own demise, our own destruction, because their questions, like, for example, let's just say your partner is off with another person. And I just asked, well, do you think they're sleeping together? Do you think they, do you think anything's going on? 
<laughs> well, maybe you weren't, but now I ask the question, now you are. I, you know, Iago in uh, Othello, right? Right. Right? It's this kind of thing where you plant, right? You plant ideas with questions. Now, we ask ourselves questions. And I think this whole thing about asking yourself why um, is so dangerous because it's not... Or can be. Or can be dangerous. Yes, can you be can dangerous. You can get stuck on it. Yeah, and I think you, you, you have to... Um, kind of extract what you, what you think, you know, too, because I think, um, there's a, there, you know, also we, uh, at a very young age, I mean, this is just a couple of little details about people, but people, you know, as children, we model, right? We see adults do something and we model it. Well, that modeling behavior becomes much more advanced as we become older and we don't actually even see ourselves modeling, but we still model. And so what ends up happening is if someone answers a question a certain way and say, we really like them, well, we kind of think, well, that's the way to answer it. I want to answer it that way. But that might not be true for us. It's just that we're modeling. So we're doing it as they do. But also we might not be doing it the way they're doing it because their words were limited for our experience of it. You know what I mean? And like you're saying, you have to experience it. It's not something you can just be told or read about or hear about. It's like you have to do it. And then from there, you can maybe start to try to understand that thing. But no one can tell you that experience. And, and also I think we as artists need to be very careful about allowing people to tell us what we're supposed to experience or what the experience is like, you know, because, uh, um, I think what ends up happening is we don't, we come into it with a bias, like, Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to experience it this way. Well, how do you know you're not experiencing it the way that's perfect for you? Right? Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, completely. And and yeah, it closes you off. Like it's from experiencing what could be. Right. Um, which is, you know, that seems like another whole topic for, for art (laughs) and artistic expression itself. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's, and the other thing is too, is, is that your experience of something is part of what makes you the artist that you are, Mm -hmm. you know, like this one thing maybe makes that person the artist that they are and they've communicated that. But, you know, you're in some ways your job is like a, especially when you're a student of an art is to find how you're like where you, you come into that, like that's their expression of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've got to kind of dig down and explore and find the, and find that sort of jewel that that person is talking about. Like the, like the big sort of that truth that's buried in there, mm-hmm. like that's kind of beyond all of that, you know, all of the sort of the language and the explanation and the, and the breakdown of what this thing is. Mm. And to find that, and it's true, it's an experience. Like you have to touch on it for yourself and be in that space and then be like, oh, okay, I get what they're saying. I experience it kind of like this, which isn't exactly like what you say, but I understand what you are saying. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, but it's, there is, it's like this, there's these little sort of pearls that are just underneath it sometimes that... You know, it's interesting yeah. too, because that quote you mentioned earlier about there is, there is a possibility for a universal experience. And I was thinking about that throughout, since you said it, and I was just like, yeah, well, there probably is. 
I mean, it's just that it's not going to come about the same way it came about for someone else. Like, yes. for example, um, you know, I had a moment with, uh, you know, with a girlfriend where I felt very taken advantage of. Right. And I was like, man, like, you know, this is really frustrating. Like I'm really going out of my way to help this person. And, you know, and I really feel like they just, they're just entitled to everything I do. It's just like, it doesn't matter to them and they don't realize what I'm really trying, the effort I'm putting in. And I did, uh, you know, I did some personal work and I, then I realized I, I tried to parallel that relationship to like, what do I know about that? And I realized there was a time with my father and I, where I was acting much like she was with me. And I thought, why did I do that with him? And I was like, oh, it was kind of innocent. I didn't really know. And yet I looked back and I went, man, he must have felt so frustrated because I was so <laughs> entitled. And then I was like, oh, wow. So it was like I was having the same experience as my father in a sense. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll never probably know. But I imagine it was somewhat similar to what he was experiencing in that. But it was a totally different relationship and a totally different but the dynamic yet was kind of the same in a way it was different, but it was kind of the same because, you know, and, I, and, you know, when, you know, that's, I think part of our growth, you know, once we start seeing ourselves in other people, we start seeing how we are alike, you know, that experience, um, once we understand someone else's experience where we used to have some empathy and compassion and kind of can get in there, it changes the game. It totally makes it different. And, you know, I think about the way, for example, you know, his behavior my dad did where I was like angry at him. And now, now I'm like, no, of course you did that. Like, of course, like based on what I understand about you and know about you, of course you would behave that way. I mean, like, how did I kind of facilitate that? Just like the way that I wanted to behave with this girlfriend I was with, you know, and regardless of who did what and how they did what it's, it's irrelevant, but you start to see, Hey, the experience is there. And, um, you know, I think artistry is one of those things where, it's, um, you're digging into this world that is, uh, outside of your own little bubble and your, your comfort zone, you know, and logic wants us to make our world right. It wants us to kind of back up everything we do and try to understand it. But, you know, if you don't feel it, you don't really know, like you kind of got to go in there and you got to feel what it's like. Right. Yeah. Um, otherwise you'll never really understand another human being, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is so much about like an expansion, mm-hmm. you know, especially as actors, I imagine like other arts are very similar. It's, it's, it's an, it does feel like an expansion in some ways. Like that's how part of how I can describe the experience of, you know, when I've had these sort of moments where I feel like I've touched on, you know, that gold or whatever. It's just like, it, it feels like it is, it's completely out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And, but that's the place that you kind of, you have to go Mm -hmm. because if you're staying in your bubble, if you're staying in your comfort zone, well then that's just, that's just what you know Mm -hmm. already. And if we were what you think, you know, what you think, you know, yeah, exactly. That's even the, that's even the, a whole nother like can of worms that you throw into it. It's like, well, the, yeah, it's just what you think you know about things. And I mean, shit, we don't know anything about anything. Yeah, hardly. Really. I mean, we have a very, very limited scope. All of us. Yeah. We have a very limited scope of what life is and what's going on with other people. Like we are so just narrowed into what we think is happening in our lives which keeps us blind to so many other things. 
like it it's staggering how how much we are constantly changing the all of our paradigms of of what we are like, i just read an article recently like it was a it was a scientific article about how this some laboratory floated oh i'm going to screw this up well if whoever's listening <laughs> if you know this then just like just put just the link cor- in correct me on, on what it was but they floated like like a proton around an atom that like they they orbited like a proton around an atom or something like that okay which is like a proton is larger than an atom so it shouldn't be possible this is what how i understood this to experiment to have gone but basically they they put in like an orbit like a proton around an atom and they're like this shouldn't happen <laughs> they're like this, and they and they've repeated it because they want to make sure right they're like that they're not getting false information on this but basically this is saying like this one experiment this one thing that has happened essentially completely like if they confirm it and it's validated across and everyone agrees to it yeah completely changes all of our laws of physics hmm wow (laughs) okay so well so so it's like but what my point is like we we know like we know so little and even science which we trust as being science like it's a science right like we know this for sure man even science like every day stuff is discovered that that completely throws away what what we've been basing everything on before yeah well and it's interesting too because uh it's like um there could be uh we can be doing an experiment for example when you're talking about science you can be doing an experiment and we think there's one variable but all along we never realized there were several other variables because we weren't even aware of the you know everything and so now that every experiment we've ever done has actually been kind of botched because we didn't realize there's these other variables in play. But now that we're aware of them, now you could go back and, yeah. and you didn't realize that those variables had an effect on something. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's, uh, I think the, the, the point though, is that as an, as, as artists, and I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but there's so many variables and it isn't, we're not doing it all like a science experiment. You know, we're, we're playing with many variables, so many variables that they're, they're, we would never get anywhere if we, if we tried to do it all by just a scientific test. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the part of being like a trailblazer. That's the part of going into the unknown and exploring. And it's kind of like, before you really know anything, you know, you're, you're, you're dabbling and you're trying it out and you're experiencing it. But I think what you, you end up having as an artist is you try to have and, and this is my opinion at this point, but I think what you, what you have is one thing is you can have as much self-awareness as possible. And that can somewhat stay, um, stay as your, your grounder, you know, as you go through this. And I don't think we ever really know ourselves entirely. And we're also always changing. So it's hard to even keep up, but, um, to have like, a a sense of self. And, and what I mean by that is instead of deciding that I am like a sense of self is not, I am fast or I'm a good runner or I'm a, you know, I'm a smart guy or a smart woman or I'm beautiful or whatever. That is not 
that's ego, right? Mm-hmm. But, but self-awareness is, I know that I don't know this. That's self-aware. Ego is, I know I know this. But self-aware is, I know I don't know this. And actually, if you think about it, since we know so little, the more you know you don't know, the more self-aware you are. Yet the more you think you know, the more you, egotistical yeah. you are. So it's, like, it's actually kind of ironic. Like we were taught to know a lot, but actually self-awareness is knowing you don't know. Yeah. It's the craziest thing because it's totally backwards the way we've been oh. educated and raised. Right? Oh yeah. I, that's, that's a great paradox. Right. I'm sure there's philosophers on the other end who are just like, oh yes, that is, um, <laughs> that is, uh, Scholler's, uh, yeah. <laughs> theory or, or concept of, <laughs> of this. Right. But I love it. Yeah. I love, I love hitting paradoxes because that's like when you know you've stumbled to me, it's like, that's when you've actually stumbled upon like some kind of a really great truth. Yes. It's like, this doesn't even make sense, but we just go, but yeah, it's true. Well, think about it too, because when you go into the unknown, it's such a wild experience, but when you go into the known, it's so safe, you know, it's just so secure. And I think, um, you know, with, at least with acting, um, one of the things that I found was kind of a fallacy was to even assume that, you know, anything as an actor. Because the moment you think, you know, you're doomed. I I think, you know, I, I think if, if anything, you need to go into everything going, I have no idea what's going to happen. And in fact, I know that this line is written and this other character is supposed to say it and I'm supposed to say it. But when it comes down to it, you don't know 100% for sure that that's going to happen. And the thing is, is like, would you bet your life on it? I mean, because you could be doing a play and then all of a sudden the character forgets that portion of the play and you kind of ad lib your way through it. Well, you thought it was going to happen that way, but it didn't, but you got through the, you got through it and it works and it's fine. And you move on. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how they're going to respond, how they're going to deal with it. We kind of have this illusion of safety and the illusion of safety is the belief that we know. And you know, it's functional. It's kind of like, I know enough so I can leave my house and know I'm not going to fall through the ground or that I'm just going to like, you know, I have a certain amount of security of consistency, but it's also extremely scary to start questioning what you know, because, um, you know, then you you know, and I'll tell you my experience. I'm not going to say how anyone else would experience it, but for me, I felt totally ungrounded. I felt totally rocked. I was walking around the world, just going like, what is anything? What's a friend? What, what is, does anyone ever love me? Can anyone love me? Can I, you know, like, like everything, like, and everything I thought I knew I was questioning. Cause I went through a hard, you know, you, you know, I went yeah. through a hard period in my life. And so I started questioning everything. I started to go, maybe I don't know what I think I know. And all I can say is getting through that was the best thing in my life, yeah. but it was one of the most challenging. Cause like my whole life, and I think many people could relate to this, but is like, you know, feel like, you know, some stuff feels pretty good. You feel like, yeah. okay, I got this. Feel like you don't know anything. You feel like, man, like do, do other people know? And I don't know. Like, it's like so weird, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, disillusionment is, I think is actually a really healthy place to be in. <laughs> <laughs> if you have the right mindset towards it, right. Like, it's a, it's a terrific place to be in because it just, it, it unravels so much shit for you. Totally. And like it, it, it does. It's called disillusionment for a reason. It's like you, you, you start breaking down illusions 
that you once thought were true. And now you're like, this is not true <laughs> anymore. And I've been living my life. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think it was Bruce Lee who just said like, you can't like, you can't fill like the full cup. Hmm. Right. Like you can't, I I'm totally botching this one, but you know, he, he was basically saying like uh, a cup that's already full, you can't put any more into it. So he was like, basically he was saying like, you've got, sometimes you've got to empty the glass, right? Like you've got to <laughs> let it all. So something more can come in. Yes. That, yeah. You know, I mean, you've got to toss the old out. I think that is essentially, I think that is essentially the quote. And you know, it's uh, I, I read a quote the other day, which was that make space or something like make space for what is inevitably meant to come into your life. And the thing is, is if we fill our life up with stuff, we never have the space to ever look at it. You know, and I'd say the best, you know, the, the, the reason why it was the best thing to go through of, of feeling like I didn't know anything was I could refill it with something that was a lot more secure and steady. Um, as opposed to filling it with this false belief, which I knew. And, and the thing is, is I guess I experienced enough pain. No, my dad used to always say this and I'm sure he's not the first person, but enough pain and you'll change. You know what I yeah. mean? But I experienced enough pain where it's like this false belief is not worth hanging on to, even though believing it kind of made me feel secure, helped me to feel secure. It's not worth it. I would rather get something that's a little more truthful or accurate. I'd rather go with nothing than believe something fake. Oh, further, I realized that I had some people in my life who I thought were friends and, and weren't really friends. They might've been company, but they weren't, and they might've been acquaintance, but what my classification of what I determined a friend is, and it's irrelevant, but this is for me to decide on my standard of what a friend is. These people were not friends. Yeah. But I decided I would rather not have a friend than have this person in my life and believe they were this person, though they were not. So it's more, it is more productive for me. It's, it's better for my life to admit that maybe this person isn't a real friend because now I can do something. I can either help them to become a real friend if they want to be, or I can move on to someone else who wants to be the kind of friend that I'm looking to be and want to have in my life. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing too, is before when I wouldn't admit it, cause there were warning signs before there were, you know, obviously, but I, I wanted the company more than I wanted the truth. Right. But then when you hit enough pain, you start to go, I'd rather the truth than the comfortable thing. You know, um, it's like that moment where you start feeling fat or something, you know, when you go, man, I got to go to the gym. I got to go for a run. I can't, I can't eat any sugar or anything right now. I have to go do something. Cause my, there's so much pain in, in like feeling lethargic that you're like, you're ready to take on the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, part of it of knowing, like, you know, when you know that you don't know, you're, you're, you're self-aware, but when you think you know something that you don't, you can keep yourself in a comfort zone you can keep yourself ignorant. And, and really I think ignorance and comfort zones are the biggest killers of dreams and ambition and, 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 and potential, you know? Um, so I think like, really like you go, okay, well, um, you know, I don't, I, I like, I don't know. Like, for example, like, um, question is, so let's say, I, do I know if I have a true friend? Well, no, I don't actually, and I may never actually know if I have a true friend, but 
what can I do to experience? What can I, you know, what is the, what, what, what is the way in which we can conduct ourselves in which I can kind of try to uphold a standard in which we consistently, you know, interact and behave and, 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 and do this. Well, I'll never know how much someone loves me, but I'll always know how much I can actually know how much I love them. I can start to get a gauge of that. But if I'm looking to ever know how much they love me, total ego. But if I can go, this is how much I love them. This is how much I can experience love for them. That's self-awareness because I admit immediately, I will never know how much they love me. I can have assumptions. I can have guesses just like, you know, another person would never know how much I love them. And also I don't need them to know that's not what's important. What I need for them to do or what I would want for them as a true friend is to help them experience love because that's the only way it's going to happen. But once you like, once I start to understand that I didn't understand how love even worked, I could never have a true friend or true love because I thought it was something I had to find in the other person. And once I had started to realize, well, it's actually more about what I find in myself because I can only, and I think this does relate to art because we, we have other people who we are making assumptions about and trying to think we know about them, right? But we don't. All we know is about ourselves. That's all we'll ever know. And that's the kind of existential alone, you know, aloneness that's really hard for people to face. But what ends up happening is once we realize that self-awareness is I will only know or have some idea what's going on with me, but I really have no accurate idea what's going on outside of me for sure. Then we have the freedom to be be able to question and to be able to, you know, experience it. And what ends up happening is, um, you know, you're, say you're interacting with a friend and you've been interacting them for, you know, a couple years and they've been consistent, consistent, consistent a certain way. And then all of a sudden one day they steal something from you and you go, what? They're not a thief. They're this way. They're the two years previously that I experienced them. No, you just got a data point now that they have this in them. You didn't know that before, but, but don't deny it as though you knew them because you didn't, that was something you discovered. And so I think when it's happening is when we think we know somebody that's total ego, because now we assume that we have all the data on them, but we don't. And so I want to take this into, into acting. If you ever know your character, you're done. It's over. You died. But if you always look at your character as someone who in this scene, I might find out who this guy is. Yeah. It's then. Like, yes. For, yeah. It's like, it's for me, it's like, it's more, it's like you're swimming around in it. Yeah. Like you're actively swimming around in a character. Mm-hmm. Like you're never just like, <laughs> like just it. Like you're, you're like, you're moving around in it. You're, you're exploring around in it as you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know yourself either. I mean, I've been journaling since I was 17, right? to date myself 16 years. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe 17. So anyway, um, half my life. Um, so I've been doing that. And, uh, at first when I started this journal, I called it the acting self, you know, I had this like, whatever it's basically, I called it that because I was like, if I'm going to be an actor, I need to know who I am. Cause if I'm going to play other characters, I need to know. I just had that awareness. That was what I right. thought. And so I started going, I'm this, I'm that. I started to try and describe myself. Then I went into describing my relationships with other people. And, you know, and as I got into it, you know, especially after a few years, I remember this is one because I'd write journal after journal after journal. I, w- I just realized one day I was like, 
I'm never going to know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm never going to know because I've changed already over these last few years and who I thought I was and who I am now is different. And every bit of work I've done in a way is kind of obsolete because I'm not that person anymore. Technically, because I've evolved, I've changed. And so theoretically, I know I'm probably going to keep changing. So, you know, you'll never and- really know. Yeah. It's, and yeah. And so again, it's, it comes back to like what your point was earlier. Um, it's just like, well, like the, the more you, you try and control and say that, you know, like the more that says that you're very not self-aware, you know, but the more that you can just like, I have no idea. I have no idea who I am, you know, really like, you know, we, we, I think a lot of our lives is really just about getting to like a couple of things that we, we can understand, be like, you know what? I, I kind of just like, I really love doing these types of things. Yeah. I think you're onto something. Like I just, I like doing this. I I just really love doing this and I love doing this and I love doing this like in different parts of your life. So I I just sort of, I do those things, (laughs) you know, go and I do those things. And then, you know, you transform through doing these things Mm -hmm. into a new person. Like it's, it's really wild. That's like, you know, you're not a new person, but you are a new person. Like Mm -hmm. it, it certainly feels that way sometimes. It's a trip, man. It's like, a trip. Well, it's, yes. a, it's an absolute trip. <laughs> if you keep going into it, it gets crazy. I really like what you, you know, you brought up earlier in this podcast. You said the what, and I'm, I'm starting to really, that's really beginning to land with me as we've been talking because, um, you know, just the other day, my dad and I were talking and we were having a big talk about the why. And, and, you know, he, he said, it all comes back down to the why and it's always going to come back down to the why. It's interesting. We were playing the why game and we were going, well, you know, what do you want? you know, I go, well, what's your ultimate why? My ultimate why is freedom. Okay. So why? You know, just why, why, why you get go down. And it's like this crazy rabbit hole. You keep going down and you keep thinking you're at the core of it and you never really are. You're always another layer down. You're always another layer down. And what I got from that experience was that this why is a thing which I just need to keep digging into. It's not something I necessarily need to know at the core but it's something I, part of the why is simply to find the core of the why, but not necessarily to ever know the why. And, and, and I, and what I think is really interesting is that the what is you can go, okay, well, sometimes I think it's just as simple as why are you doing this? I love doing it. Okay, great. That's enough. Cause you love doing it. You love doing it. Boom. You're connected to that. Good. If you, if you're not connected to it anymore, dig deeper, go, go under the love. What, why, why do you mm-hmm. love it? Then, then dig another layer, then dig another layer, dig another layer. But now that you have the reason why, what are you going to do? You know? And so it's like, well, um, you know, if I'm going to, if I, if I love acting or something, I can say, well, okay, well, what am I going to do with my acting? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to class. I'm going to learn. I'm going to get really good at it. Okay, great. So you do that. You get really good at it. You go to class for a while. Now you're bored because you did it. Right. So now what are you going to do with it? Well, now I'm going to work to get onto movies. I'm going to work to, you know, whatever, make some money doing this. Okay, great. Now, what are you going to do? Well, now I'm going to do this. And I think with the what though, vision is like a hundred watts down the road or a thousand watts down the road. It's like you go really far, far down and you go, that's where I ultimately want to be. But then you have to take all the what's all the way back to this very first step. What do I need to do right now? What am I doing right now? Because, you know, um, 
as we talked about in our last podcast, we can get easily overwhelmed by going way too far down the what. And if we go too far down the mm-hmm. why, I think really we can get too overwhelmed too, because it's like, you know, one thing cannot happen before the other thing happens. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it, it kind of has to go in an order, right? Like, well, so why do you act? You're not going to get to the next answer until you answer the first one, which is, well, I love acting. Okay. Why do you love acting? Well, I love acting because I get to experience something in life. I'd never get to experience safely living it. You know, okay, great. Why do you want to experience that? Well, I want to experience that because I, it's so amazing to experience what it's like to, to, to know someone who went through something really crazy like that. You know, why is that so interesting? Why do you love that? You know, when you keep going down, you're not going to get to whatever that answer is on the first try. It's almost endless. And I mean, and the thing is, is that I think honestly that, that why question, like if you follow that, why all the way down the, down the rabbit hole, it, and this is maybe me philosophizing. I'm not sure if this, but like it's, it's unanswerable. Yeah. Like to a large degree, like not that asking why doesn't help you find some sort of a connection because sometimes it is, it's like that. Why is often, I, I really love what you said earlier where it's like the why is an experience. Like it's, it's, you, it cannot necessarily be described because again, I mean, and there's been studies that have show that like your, your brain will just make something up. Yes. We'll just make up a reason for why you've done something or why you want to do something. Yeah. Like that's clinically been studied in, um, people who had, uh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember, but like the brain separation. Yeah. Well, yeah. they, I mean, they, it was to treat like their, their oh. left and right hemispheres were treated or like were separated to treat. Um, I can't remember what it was, but basically that happened and like they discovered all this weird stuff where like the left brain would just come up with the, it was to treat a disorder of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't do it anymore, (laughs) (laughs) but it, 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 there were some interesting things that came out of it. But anyhow, that why it's like, you know, you, it's arguable that you can, you can necessarily come up with just a, a logical reason for something and just be like, yes, this is exactly why. And that is the end all and beyond. That is actually the truth of it all. Um, I, I don't know if, if why actually really brings you there. There's so many variables. There's so many pieces moving in a why question. And also it, you keep following it down. I, I think it actually brings you to, it's like, well, why do we exist? Yeah. I think that's what it ends up coming down to. And it's just like, you got anybody who can answer that one? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there's again, like, what is the purpose of our life? Well, that's a question that we can't necessarily, it's, it's this, another way of wording the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it, at least it opens up some doors for us to be like, oh, well, like, well, what, yeah. what is, what is the meaning of all this? And then we can come up with, with some stuff for ourselves that way. But well, I do. Okay. So here's my, here's my thought on it. I do think that the why is more important than the what, but I don't think the why is more important logically. I think the why is something that you know why, but not in a way you can answer. Like, I think if we try to answer the question, why we, we always undermine the whole process because I think what it is, is that like, you don't need to ask yourself necessarily why from a logical way you need to almost ask yourself, 
well, I'm thinking about for me, it's always emotional. Yeah. How, cause everything is a feeling, right? And so, you know, my friend uh, actually was on the show, Seth was pointing this out oh, yeah. and he was talking about how, you know, y- y- you'll never make a decision really through logic. You think you will, but it's always an emotion. Like, should I go to the gym or should I sit here and watch Netflix? Really is based on how you feel. And if you can get yourself to feel enough, um, of whatever you need to go to the gym, you'll do it. But if you try to logic yourself, you know, you have all sorts of crap that can come out. And the other thing too, is I've logic myself to the gym, but then got to the gym and I didn't even really feel like being there. But I've also had experience where I wanted to work out more than I wanted to, you know, watch Netflix or do something yeah. comfortable. Right. So the thing is, is I think it's, what I'm starting to realize is that is the why really is not something that you need to answer, but something you need to experience and feel. Mm-hmm. And then the what is simply a direction. It's like, you know, because it helps you kind of quantify and qualify, you know, the end, because otherwise we would run indefinitely. Yeah. And that what can sometimes inf- like help you to inform the why, right? Like it can help to, it can help lead you to that why. Mm-hmm which is, yeah, it is, it is a feeling like ultimately, cause it's like, well, why? Like, yeah, again, you, I'm just, I, I'm just running this through my head as you know, it's like, yeah, why? Like if you keep following that why down and just sort of applying it to myself, it's like, well, why do I want to do these, these things? Why have I been inclined to do and pursue the things that I have? And it's like, because it's just, it's in me. Yeah. It's in my heart. It's in my soul, right? Like it's, it's just there. I can't, there's no logic behind that whatsoever. No. Like and there's all none. Your, I think the thing that I'm realizing is that so much of my logic is bullshit. It's just total <laughs> bullshit. I'm just realizing that like, it's just really hitting me that, um, logic, trying to logic my way through life has been probably one of the biggest things that's worked against me. I think, you know, and I, I think that there's, there's a, there's a balance. You want to have a little bit of logic. You want to be intelligent and like, and build your awareness enough so that you don't just run on raw emotion. That's just unguided. You'd be like an unguided missile kind of thing, right? You kind of want to focus yourself. I think that's the, what, what does. And I think the why is more of one of those things is like, I'm going, you know, I'm going after this experience. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this or not that I will necessarily get the experience from the result, but by the very act of doing it, I, I, I will experience, you know? Um, and I think what ends up happening is we also get confused because when, when people ask why this is another problem, um, they think when they get the thing, then they'll experience it. But I think that's also another, um, misconception because I think, and I know that people say this all the time, but it's about experiencing the journey on the way there. It's like, and I think what ends up happening, and this has happened to me as a, as an artist is I get so caught up in the result that I forget why I'm even doing it. It's because I actually like the experience of it is awesome. You know, there's something about it that's really exhilarating. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's hard, but you know, I've, I've experienced going through life numb and I've experienced it going at, going through it like really full of emotion. And I know that, you know, in the moments where the emotion is really, really hard to feel, I, I don't tend to want to be there. But if that meant giving up the moments where I felt this kind of undescribable, ecstatic, excited, joyful place, if it meant ex- giving those up and the potential of those up, I wouldn't do it. And, and I, I think that emotion is one of those things that 
you need to be able to go into it like a, like a roller coaster ride and you, you know, and experience your life. And I think the what is, gives us, gives us a direction so we can go do something to experience it. But the direction and the ultimate like goal of getting to where we're headed is just a bonus. It's like a, it's a wonderful little bit to go, let's stop and reassess. Mm-hmm. Just for example, you know, and I've been talking about my, my goals, but I've read for a thousand days now in a row, a thousand days every single day tell you something. It's funny. I keep hitting these milestones and I don't necessarily, it's nice. I'm like a thousand days, four digits. Pretty cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, Let's toast to that yeah, one. Sure. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, but you know, if I would have done, if I, I, I'm just at the point now where I've done writing and reading for so long now that it's really not about an end goal anymore. These milestones are really nice because I get to check in. I get to go, great. You did that what do you want to do? Do you want to keep going? Do you want to whatever? I go, yeah. Okay, great. I do. All right. And the thing is, is like the experience, like what I've experienced doing it, like, um, the things I've learned, the things I've discovered by just picking up a book or reading an article or doing something to find, find a way to educate myself or, you know, um, take some stuff in has been really fulfilling and enriching in my life. And so I'm, I'm beginning, like, as I hit these higher digits, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a slow learner, but it took me to like the thousands to start realizing this stuff. But once I started, I, I've been starting to realize more and more that it's like, no, you know, I really enjoy this. I enjoy reading. I enjoy writing every day. It's, um, it's not work. It's yeah, like, it's, it's kind of become a part of my, uh, doing my life, you know? And so, um, I, you know, the, one of those things that you just love to do. So you just follow it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess that I'll probably stop the, you know, the day that I die. I mean, probably because you know, that, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that's an interesting thing because I think that actually these doing these things have, has really taught me about my life. It's like, why do I do anything? Well, I used to think I was doing this so that I could become really smart and make a lot of money and, you know, have a lot to talk about which are all nice little bonuses that have been coming about it. But you know, what's really great about it is once you start doing something or well, I'll speak for myself. Once I started doing it, it was hard at first, but once I started doing it, I started to, um, find that I started to really have more thirst. Like, like I read one book and I read another book, I read another book. And then eventually I started to go, I want to read this and I want to read that. And I want to know about this. And I find like, what's really interesting is it's affected the way I'll behave socially. For example, I'll be out with people and someone will have a unique job and I'll ask them all sorts of questions about it. It, Reading has created a curiosity in me, which has really helped me experience my life in a new way. Um, so I don't really know why anymore, why I'm reading other than I really enjoy the reading part of it. If, if, you know, before we had done this podcast, I probably would have told you I'm reading all the time to like, you know, be a better teacher, be a better mentor. And yeah, I think it's helping, but it's not really for that. Like it really, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is, but I'm not really sure. I just don't, I'm, I'm really starting to realize that my logical answers are not really that accurate. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, it's, I've got it's so many interesting thoughts from this conversation. They're just going th- that, that I'm just, I'm having through all of this and, and asking myself, it's like, yeah, what would I have told myself why I was an actor before, you know, like why, what did I used to tell people? And, you know, it's like, I used to, you know, I used to tell people, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, I really, I really want to move people. You know, I really want to move people. Yeah. It's, it's, the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, okay, I get it. But I mean, like, what, 
like that like it, it's too much it's too kind of like selfless in some ways and now when I think about like because this is kind of the first time I've been asking myself this question in a while with like new awarenesses and new sort of shifts for myself and I'm just like you know the truth is is that that to my the best of of how I understand I can see it now is that I got into acting because it just made me feel more more connected to to something it just made me feel more connected to life you know like you know just like like the things were okay that like I'm just like I'm not like I'm not alone that like yeah. I'm connected to I'm connected to everyone. I'm connected to what's in front of me. I'm connected to the audience. I'm connected to myself in ways, you know, that and and that's also the paradox of it where that is that I'm like but myself is kind of checked out. Hmm. In a lot when that's well, happened your ego's too. Checked out. Yeah, the ego's checked out and suddenly I just feel so connected. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's the best thing I can say. It's like, that's why I do it is because I'm just like, fuck, I just, I just feel so connected. You know what I think is I actually think that it's acting or whatever art we're in is, uh, it's an outlet and we already want to experience whatever it is we're going for. But I think what ends up happening is we choose these artistic endeavors and become proficient at them because they're an outlet. Like, um, I was thinking about when I was a kid, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about when I was playing with my action figures and I would make up these stories. It was my outlet. Now I don't play with action figures like that anymore, but, um, you know, at the time it was the outlet I had, I could still do it. I mean, I could do it probably really well, but I have other outlets to use now. And so I used to think like, well, what if one day I don't want to act anymore? What if one day I don't want to do this film thing or blah, 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 whatever. And I think that you know, especially through this conversation, I'm starting to come to even more grips with that because I'm realizing, yeah, like maybe I'll just find another outlet. Maybe I'll find another outlet I want to do it with. And I think that you said that acting made you feel this way, but I think what you, what, what is really going on is that you want to feel this way and acting gives you the opportunity to facilitate and and feel that way. Yes. But the acting doesn't make you do it because you could probably do it with other things. Mm -hmm. But now what's really great is you become proficient at acting. And so you can actually get more out of it than you probably initially could. Yeah. Because I found a way of doing this thing. Sure. You know, of getting to this, to this state, to this experience of life. Right. Right. That is just, is just so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? Is like, you know, I listen to someone play guitar, like even you play guitar or someone who's really good at it. And I, um, and I go, wow, like I really get an experience of that. And I really like listening to that. Um, and then I play guitar and I'm <laughs> kind of, you know, I can just do a few little basic things, but it's, it's interesting because I, I'm not, I don't have the skill level yet to experience what I can with a really great guitarist. And so, or any musician, yeah. like whatever. But I think with, uh, with acting or filmmaking or writing, I have a certain proficiency with it. So I can, you know, when I go and write a script, I get to experience something, but, um, th- that's the really great thing about becoming good at something. You get to experience it more. Like with, I was talking about, uh, reading and writing, you know, reading the same way I experience, um, reading a lot better than I did when I initially did it. But I think it's because I've become really good at reading. 
I don't think we really think about that, but actually, like, I, I read way faster. I read more books quicker. Um, I take in information. I pick up things I never picked up before. Uh, I know words I didn't know before. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to check, like, you know, Google or whatever, dictionary, <laughs> thesaurus anymore, like, for a lot of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a much more seamless process. Right? Yeah. And I think, um, I also think as artists, we should never be scared to let go of whatever art we're really good at because maybe we want to try another way to experience yeah. our, because I think that's what we want to do. Yeah. And it, and it also like, there's no, there's also no shame in not being good at stuff too. Yeah. Like when, with extra, cause you know, I've, I've tried lots of different things. Like I've tried like painting and drawing and, and as much as people say, they're like, Oh, you're like, you're actually like really pretty good at it, you know? And, but the thing is like that, that joy isn't there for me. I don't mm. get that experience of it. And I don't, have that desire to learn that discipline mm-hmm. strong enough to get, because I get, I get that sort of that experience that I want from doing this other thing, which I just kind of have a more natural inclination for, for mm. whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Maybe that's another, but t- we can discuss that another time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I find that as well. I mean, I find, I've done drawing for a bit and I, I really worked at it and I got better at it, but I don't get the same experience I get from say writing, uh, or like screenwriting or, you know, filmmaking or acting. I just don't, it does not, it's, it's, it, and even when I started acting and I sucked at it, you know, or well, I should say I was not, I wasn't, you know, so great, but I really still really enjoyed the process. Of yeah. it, Right. Whereas with writing, it's kind of a little bit of a, like, okay, this is like a little bit of work for me. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes it's kind of fun and sometimes it's kind of like, I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not even like, uh, there's sometimes I've done things where I've just not been good at it and I just don't want to do it cause I'm not good at it with that. It's kind of, even like when I got kind of a little bit more proficient with doing some things, I was still like, you know, but some people for them, that's their thing. Right. And then doing something else, like maybe acting or filmmaking, whatever, I don't know playing guitar, it doesn't matter, but it's like, maybe that's not as much fun. Right. So I think what ends up happening is with artists, we have, we find our instrument, we find our outlet. And I don't think, um, I don't think we need to know any more that other than I like this outlet, you know, and I want to do this outlet. Yeah. I think when we try to use that outlet to get things, that's when we start to turn into a problem, you know, when we start to like act to be famous or do these things to be famous, I think we start to, um, poison or kind of like pollute the outlet. But, uh, I think if we always connect back to, I like, um, I want to have this experience and this outlet allows me to, I think we always kind of stay on point and then really like, what do I want to do with it now that I enjoy it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we've been drinking a beer the whole time. Yeah. What is this? Of course we have been. Uh, this is from, uh, R and B brewing. Okay. And, uh, this is their Vienna lager. So it's, a like it's a bit of a darker. Yeah. I thought lager. it was, I thought it was an ale, but it, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you know, it it has a bit of a maltier sort of a, a finish to it, but, um, from the description, it was like, it's, it gives you, it is a lager. It gives you that sort of that nice, like sort of refreshing crisp thing, like right off the top. And then it finishes kind of like a little bit richer. Yeah, totally. It really does. I mean, that's, totally accurate. It's, it's, um, it tastes at first like a lager and then it kind of finishes like an ale. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And it's very dark, very dark. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised it, it didn't seem that dark when I bought it. <laughs> well, so R and B. Okay. R and B brewing. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. And I like their name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've been around for a while. They just opened up a new location on uh in Vancouver on Fourth Avenue and Quebec Street. Okay. Basically. I believe that's the cross streets, yeah. Right on. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're we've covered a lot today. Yeah. So, so um closing what, comments. What and why? I um well I guess I'll go first. So I would say the thing that I've come away with from this is that the why is something that if you try to logic your way through, I really think there is just, it's just a rabbit hole. I don't think that there is an ultimate answer that we can logic our way through, but I think it's something we can feel our way into. And I think it's something that, um, we don't need to necessarily describe. We, we simply need to connect to, uh, on an internal level. And, um, I think words limit what it is. I think words are inadequate to describe our true why. And I think the what that we've talked about is a really great way to take this experience, whatever that emotional internal world is that we have inside of us and just direct it somewhere and put it somewhere where we would like to take it and use it. And, um, I I mean, maybe there's more to the what, but the what seemed to me like, uh, it gives direction. And I think also with the what is not to get too caught up on necessarily the result of the what, although that's a part of it. Cause I think there needs to be completion to everything. I think completion is healthy, um, because it gives us a finishing point to reassess a milestone, so to speak, you know, so for example, um, you know, writing or reading for a thousand days, you know, is a milestone. It's kind of a completion point and then I can continue on with it, but it's an assessment. And so I think the, what kind of gives you a milestone and it gives you a direction. And I think, um, you know, there's a thousand days that I've read for. There's one day that I got to experience the milestone. So in a game of odds, it's much better to experience the thousand days than to only get the one milestone out of it. If you think about the odds. And I think that's, um, you know, experience both and get a, you get a thousand and one for one, you know, (laughs) right. A thousand and one for a thousand days or whatever. You get an extra bonus, right? Um, and I think, uh, also by not getting too caught up in the destination, the result of the what we don't get so attached to the result that we, um, poison the experience on our way there. So I, I think that's ultimately what I've gotten. And between these two questions, how they kind of interrelate and, and how they really inform our art and everything we do in our life. Yeah. 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 I, I'm going to probably echo a lot of those. Yeah. This, this whole thing of why and what, um, has been a really interesting, interesting conversation. Um, yeah, like that, what is oftentimes a good way, like when, cause the why can get very confusing, right? Because it can, it can just send you in circles. And, and I think we've explored like some, some sort of good, some good stuff as to why the why question yeah. can, can do that. Yeah. Um, because that why really is an experience that why is comes down to like a feeling yeah. of some kind at its deepest core. Um, and that what can give you some direction that what can, can help open up a door and it can help inform that, that why for you. Um, or at least point the way to experiencing that why. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Like there was, this was a great conversation. I mean, I loved so much about 
there's so much I loved about what, what we talked about. A lot of discoveries, it seemed we both made as we went into it, because like, uh, you know, I thought I understood some of these things, but I finding as we went into the conversation, I understand them way more than I did from when we started because, you know, and, uh, for those of you who are listening, like, thanks for stumbling through it with us. And yeah. hopefully you had uh, somewhat of an experience of it, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the nature of this whole thing is we're, we're having a conversation and we're getting to do it in an organic way. And, and we're stumbling upon things by opening up the door to the conversation. And I think what's really neat is every podcast we do after we have kind of a discovery is kind of a little bit informed by that discovery. So it's kind of cool, yeah. you know, where this will take us for our next bunch. Yeah. And yeah. what's interesting is that, you know, sort of the why we, we are doing this podcast is for this. Yeah. You know, it really is for this like experience of these things just opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even necessarily know exactly how they do either. Yeah. You know, like it's, I, I, I can't like, especially for today, like we had no topic no. coming into this, this, like we just started chatting about art and we trust that it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. And these things happen and they're like, none of these points were, and, and these discoveries were things that we came in with. No. You know, like we've been, you know, like certainly while we've been, uh, active in, in doing our, our disciplines and, and learning more about them on our own, we come, come in and, and we just start talking with these things that have been maybe going on in the background and somehow they, you know, alchemize in these discoveries. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fascinating. That's like, it's, it's an experience why that's why I show up here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for that. It's for, for conversations like this. Yeah, me too. I mean, I hope that this podcast, if anything, like people get something from it, but I, it'd be great if to hear that people are going out and, and opening up the door to have these types of conversations with their friends and, you know, yes, like that'd be so wonderful because, um, I think, you know, I, and you and I started this podcast, we're like, well, we don't have the answers. We're not, you know, we don't know, but we came in from a, like, let's, let's talk about it and let's see if we kind of start to uncover some things. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think what's really interesting is, is it's just, you know, you, you just dig into it because I think that uh, a lot of you know, being told something or when people kind of take the position of authority and then tell you how to do something. I think that's a great way to learn. It's very efficient. It has, it's certain, it's certainly effective, but I think a discussion model has been unique because, um, we come into it experiencing it with our audience, you know, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to telling them how it's done, you know, and, um, there's definitely for me a certain amount of humility. I mean, I have my opinions about things and I'm not saying they're always right, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, cause you know, everybody, you know, like, well, like anybody, I mean, uh, you know, it's things that I still think I know. Right. But, yeah. but, um, discovering going, Oh wow, I don't know that. Like I thought I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and just to, to, it kind of fits with that, but just to, uh, allude to, to a thing from earlier is just like, it, it's, that's a perfect example. It's like, well, you know what? I, you know, a universal philosophy is not really possible, but an experience it is, mm. you know? And I, I think that's kind of what we try and get at Yeah, here too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think every, you know, and I, I don't know if we can all experience everything the same, but we can experience probably some things in a similar way. Like we can experience something that's new, you know, and we can have certain experiences that are, um, very, very similar, if not matched, you know, and we'll never really know. I don't think, uh, if our experience was the same as anyone else, but you know, you watch one person have an aha moment and you know, you have an aha moment and you go, it's kind of, well, there's a lot of similarity there. You know, it's like, uh, we both kind of had our own aha, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think what we're all after as artists is we're after a higher plane of experience. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that's shared. Yeah. 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 Okay. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.